Hey friends, welcome to Girls' Night. I'm Stephanie Mae Wilson, and I am so happy that you're here. Each week, I have a girlfriend over, and we talk through one of the biggest questions we have about our lives as women. We're talking about friendships and faith and relationships and self-confidence, about our calling in life and how to live every bit of our lives to the absolute full. Life is so much better and easier and absolutely more fun when we navigate it together as girlfriends, and I cannot wait to get started. Our guest for today's episode is my dear friend, Kate Warman. Kate is a speaker, a writer, and the host of the Heart of Dating podcast. Kate's actually been with us on the show before, but I love her so much, I just knew we had to have her back. Today, we're chatting about a topic that I know I struggled with like crazy throughout the years. We're talking about how to heal from a breakup and how to actually move on. Kate has so much wisdom in this area and such a passion for helping women through it. And I'm so glad because this is so important. Kate's going to teach us what it looks like to grieve and process a breakup in a healthy way. And she's going to share with us what can happen when we don't. She's going to talk to us about what it looks like to actually let go of someone we've loved so that we can move on and be ready to love someone new. And speaking of loving someone new, she's going to help us recognize how to know when we're ready to step into a new relationship. I loved this conversation and I cannot wait to share it with you. But before we dive in, as we're talking about breakups and moving forward, I want to be sure to share a resource with you that I only offer twice a year. It's my online course, Love Your Single Life, the only digital course and study for Christian women that teaches a step-by-step system to savor, enjoy, and truly make the most of your single life, all while setting yourself up for amazing relationships and marriage in the future. And you guys, registration is opening up again on October 7th. I could not be more excited about this, and I would love to have you join us. Here's what one of our amazing Love Your Single Life alumni, Alexis, said about the course. This course made me so excited to live in the here and now, and it boosted my confidence and self-esteem. I feel more empowered and confident in putting myself out there, but more than that, I feel overwhelmed by God's love and all that He's doing for me right now. I found so much joy and peace through this course. It absolutely exceeded my expectations. Gosh, I love that. So guys, again, registration for the course only opens up twice a year, and the next time is on October 7th. You can find out all about the course and get your name on the waiting list at loveyoursinglelife.com, and that link will be in our show notes. The other thing I wanted to say is that I know that some of you may be listening to this episode after the deadline or in a totally different time of the year, and that is perfectly fine. Head to the website anyway, put your name on the waiting list, and that way you will be the very first to know next time the course opens back up. I cannot wait to share this with you. Okay, so with that said, let's jump into today's episode. Here is my conversation with Kate. All right, friends, I am so excited for who we have with us today. I'm sitting here across from my dear friend, Kate Warman, who's been on the show before, but I just knew that we had to have her back. So Kate, welcome back to Girls' Night. I'm so glad you're here. Steph, I'm so happy to be here for a second time, looking at your face from digitally, but I feel like we're in person just having coffee or pizza or whatever it is and in our comfy clothes. So I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. Thanks for having me again. Yes. Oh my gosh. Seriously, it's my honor. Um, So Kate, for women who haven't gotten to meet you yet, tell us who you are, what you do, and a fun fact about yourself. Okay. I love it. Well, I am Kate Warman. And I remember, I think I said something different when I was on the podcast with you last time, Steph, but things have changed even just a year basically since I've been on. But I am a, I now call myself a dating coach because I do dating coaching for women. I am the host of the Heart of Dating podcast, which is a Christian podcast all about Christian dating. And I also do online courses. And specifically right now I have a course called um, Heartbreak to First Date. It's all about how do you go from having a heartbreak and move on so that you can get back out there on a first date again. And I know we're going to talk about some of those kinds of things today, but I have just such a heart for both men and women, but obviously, especially women being a woman, to see women healed and stand in their firmness of identity and loving themselves, um, because I believe that is one of the key ingredients that will bring you into healthy relationships and dating and set you up for an incredible healthy marriage. Uh, So I do that. And um, I'm in the process of some other fun projects too, but I guess that's kind of what I do. And then a fun fact. So last time I shared about my deep love for Celine Dion. So that's already out there. So I was thinking about this. I was like, what is another fun fact? 
I was just going to say, Steph, so I have a really, I got to confess that I am an addict of something. Okay? Oh my gosh. Okay. Everyone like, I feel like we're like Brace preparing yourself, ourselves. Right? Yes. It's actually really silly, but I recently, I can't get over this. I am, so I guess two different fun facts in this, but I am right now addicted to buying books all the time. And I have a very terrible obsession. I'm like, I just want to buy a book today. And I, there is no way with the rate I buy books that I can read all the books that I'm buying. So oftentimes I like have it, I'll read a chapter and someone's like, have you read it? I'm like, well, yeah, no. I mean, I started reading it, but there's no way I can read all of it. But there's just something fun and thrilling about buying new books. And I've also recently in the tandem of buying books, I've gotten really into coloring and buying coloring books. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. It's so fun. Actually, in what we're talking about today with healing, breaking up and moving on, like honestly, coloring has been huge for me to connect with God and heal and kind of be creative. So highly recommend to get those colored pencils out, ladies, and buy yourself a coloring book because it's a lot of fun. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, Kate, we're going to have to get, I'm after, after we hang up, I'm going to get a couple of your favorite coloring books so we can link to them in the show notes because I'm always looking for good ones. And uh, this is sort of a random fun fact about me, but I'm a horrible artist and I have really bad handwriting, which is funny because my sweet husband, Carl, is an amazing artist and has amazing handwriting. And so I feel like a coloring book is totally my speed, even though I'm positive I actually still wouldn't be good at that. Like my coloring book skills, I'm picturing what yours probably looked like growing up versus mine. And yours are like shaded well. And mine's like just heavy handed, like scribble. Anyway, it still looked like that, but cathartic and uh, relaxing. And I love it. And we never do that as adults. I'm like, it's so much more fun. I have an amazing Disney coloring book and it gives you inspiration on one page of what it could look like. So just to make you feel better, I look at the inspiration and I try to recreate it. It never looks like the inspiration. I'm like, who did this? Picasso? Like, this is ridiculous how they shade. It's so beautiful, but it's fun. And even if you're not great at it, it's fun to do. I love it. I love it. Well, Kate, I'm so happy to have you on the show. And I feel like even just hearing your intro, all the women listening are like, ah, and this is why they're friends (laughs) because our hearts are so similar for this. And I'm so glad that you are talking about what it looks like to heal and move on from a breakup because one, that is so important. And for the women who have read my book, The Lipstick Gospel, they've gotten to hear that breakups, I mean, really getting my heart broken and everything that happened afterwards completely changed the trajectory of my life. And even though I hate breakups, I'm convinced that there is it, they are so painful in such a very specific, you kind of want to throw up and also everything hurts kind of way. Um, but also they just have this ability of completely transforming our lives. They can be this amazing catalyst when we dig into them. And so I love that you are giving women practical ways of doing that. And so I want to, I don't want to waste another second. I want to dive in. Tell us just so that everyone can get on the same page with you. Tell us some of your backstory when it comes to relationships, breakups, where you've been, where you are, just kind of give us, give us a foundation. Totally. So obviously I run like this dating platform now, but the only reason I really do that is because I have a lot of dating experience and did it a lot of the wrong way for a lot of the time. And I'm not going to claim to be a perfect dater by any means, but I've definitely learned a lot. Um, So quick synopsis for the listeners. Basically from the age of 14 to 24, I kind of had a constant flow of boyfriends. So 10 years of basically nonstop boyfriends in that was um, a year where I dated a lot of guys in high school. Then I got in a serious relationship that was long distance. After that ended and I broke that, I actually broke off that relationship. I hopped into another brief relationship for two months. That ended. Then one month later, I ended up in another relationship and that relationship actually became one that was extremely toxic and ended up being very, very abusive. And um, because I didn't recognize the the my own patterns at that point in time, I was in my early 20s, I didn't realize, I thought that the way this guy was treating me was so, I was so caught off guard by it, but I thought that I had to stay in it. I thought that I had to make it work. I was so flabbergasted and so in shock, which typically happens when you're being abused emotionally. You, you start getting, you are so off kilter that you don't even know what's going on. And that was happening. Like this guy would say he was my boyfriend and we'd be out 
at bars in public and, uh, or at bars, wherever we'd be at public, especially in the evening. And he would pretend that I wasn't his girlfriend. I would come up to him and he would like, give me a high five, be like, Hey Kate, what's up? And I was like, what? Like I, it was this jarring, like, wait, but you call me your girlfriend behind closed doors, but then in public you act like you, I'm your pal. And, um, it's deeply, deeply frustrating and very manipulative and makes you feel very little. So could definitely go into lots of details about that relationship. Um, but I, I stayed in that relationship for about two and a half years and, it was toxic in every way, ended up being extremely abusive as well, physically and sexually. So across the board, across the gamut. And eventually I did get out of that relationship and had to go on a very severe and necessary journey of healing. And I basically looked at the last 10 years and said, wow, Kate, you have not been single and you've constantly been in relationships. And what is that about? And I really had to do some hard digging to say, wow, I had tried to fill a void in my heart. And when I really dug up the root stuff, I found out that a lot of that had to do with even my childhood roots and some of what had happened in my childhood, even with my father being a little bit more of an absent father, love him so much, but he just couldn't show up in those ways that I needed him to um, in childhood years. And because of that, because I didn't feel seen in that way from a male figure, I always sought out for that male type of love in dating. And, um, yeah, so the, I, it really made me go through this journey of like kind of uncovering things um, and journeying through it and really seeking lots and lots of healing, um, reclaiming my worth and value and self-love because at the time after that abusive relationship ended, I'd say I didn't really like myself. And so it was a long process and eventually I felt like, yes, ready to do this again. I will say though, I have dated since then, since I've said, yes, I'm ready to date again. And I have still gotten my heart broken. Um, last time we talked about a breakup that I went through, which was a guy that I thought I was basically 90% going to marry, um, or maybe more positive than that. I was going to marry him and it ended out of nowhere. And I really knew that I had a decision to make. I had a decision to go into my past patterns and re-question myself, my worth and my value, Or even though this didn't make sense, I could choose to trust in God and um, allow him to basically set forth a new beautiful thing for me in my life. And I would say it was out of that heartbreak, which is so cool that God did birth something so beautiful, which was heart of dating, which is what I do now. And it's really only because I chose in that season to so deeply dive into Jesus, even though that breakup did not make sense. That breakup of that love of my life did not make sense at the time. So um, that brings me to where we are today. I still am single. I still get my heart broken, even in this last year I have. But I really believe through breakups that um, there is so much strength to be found and that God uses that to just shape us even more and bring us even closer to His heart. And I actually wanted to just quick, quickly read this quote. It's one of my favorite quotes in a times of a breakup from my dear friend, Mike Foster, who says, within the valley of our grief, something beautiful wants to grow. So tend those fields, water those little seeds. Whatever was planted in pain can harvest beautiful possibilities. And Today, that's just what I believe. I believe that in the pain, we can harvest beautiful things. We can plant these seeds and we can be really disciplined about our breakups to be able to come to a place of deep, deep, deep healing. And God will transform our paths. He will bring about a new, like in Isaiah, what is it, 43? I can't think of the exact verse right now, but he brings about something new and beautiful. He is doing a new thing and he will do a new thing in your season of breakup. So that's, where that's where I, I'm not afraid of them anymore. And I know that rejection and heartbreak happens. And I want to empower women to have that same strength going into dating because rejection might happen. We aren't immune to it. You know, we have to be prepared for the battle of rejection and heartbreak. <laughs> oh my gosh, Kate, I love you so much. I love you so much. And I love your heart for this. And I'm so glad that you mentioned that verse in Isaiah. And we're going to look it up and figure out exactly where it is so that you guys can check it out. And it'll be in our show notes. But I... I remember reading that same verse um, Mm -hmm. about streams in the desert and God doing a new thing. Um, Don't you perceive it as it springs up? Something like that. Um, And I remember reading it in the midst of my last breakup. And I just, I by that point, I'd been through so many of them that Mm -hmm. I knew that I would survive it, which 
if you're going through a breakup for the first time, like the first couple of times I got my heart broken, I honestly wasn't sure like a heart can keep beating when it hurts that bad, you know? But I think once you've been through a couple, you find out that you will survive them. And then also I had seen God do so many beautiful things in my life, like in the process of healing, like not only did he make me whole again, but he made me even stronger and even better. Like he, he, he really does plant new seeds. And so I just, I, I remember holding on to that, even though I was hurting so much in that moment, I remember exactly where I was when I read that verse, just going, okay, God, I know that you do this. I know that you, that you plant new things in our, in our lives and in our hearts when they're broken open like this. And I just, please do that again for me. And he did in, in just incredible ways. And I just want to say what's so cool when you look biblically at the people that God uses in the Bible, they're never like these whole perfect people that he's using. He's always using kind of more of the broken people or the messed up people or the people who are like not the unexpected people. And so when we look biblically at who God chooses over and over to do amazing things, it's never the people that have it all figured out. It's never those people. It's always the people that are like... I've surrendered. I don't really know what I'm doing. God help me. Or, you know, they're the unexpected people that he's like, no, I choose you actually. (laughs) And so I just get so excited because I'm like, yes, God, I'm going to tell you and come to you and surrender at your feet that maybe I don't know what's going on right now. And I am a bit messy and but I'm going to choose you in the process. And I believe that God chooses those people um, if you surrender to him and if you really like go through the process with them. He will heal you and he will use you in amazing ways that you never expected. I really believe that. Mm. I feel like you just gave my heart a hug somehow. Like I just seriously feel so like, oh, thank God. Thank God. Oh, so good. Okay. So Kate, I want to ask you some really practical questions about how to get through a breakup and how to get to that place where you are like how to how to take those steps to where you are healing and you are growing and you are getting to a place where you can actually share your heart with someone again. Um, but first, I feel like sometimes it's helpful to for us. Like, let me see if I can say this in a different way. Sometimes when we're looking at something and trying to see why and how it's important, it's important for us to see, or it's helpful for us to see like the flip side. So, what happens when we? Like, what does it look like to go through a breakup in an unhealthy way? And what are some of the, like, what's, what's the result look like when we don't go through a breakup well? Yeah. So a lot of times when we don't go through a breakup well, it's when we're compartmentalizing, when we choose to sit, to not fully deal with it. And it's kind of this moment where I always say we have to feel the pain to heal the pain. And so we have a choice in the breakup. We can either choose to feel the pain because that will allow us to heal from it. Or we can box it down and put it in a box and store it away in our house. But like that dirty box isn't going to get cleaned on its own. Eventually you can just stuff that into a closed door over and over. And eventually that closed door is going to overflow and you're going to be faced to deal with all of the baggage and all of the stuff in those boxes. And it's going to be that much worse and more painful to dig through and sort through all of it. You know, I mean, like I hate that example, but it's true. Like when you know, even in your house, when you have to clean spring cleaning, right? Like, it's way easier if you just clean as you go along. Yes. So let's do the hard work now. So basically that looks like grieving and truly grieving it. Um, and so if you don't heal from it, it will come back. Another way just to know this is that actually physically it will manifest in your body. There's a great book about this called The Body Keeps the Score. And it's really about how trauma and pain will stay within our body. The reason that you'll know it stays in your body is because when something triggers you or if somebody, for example, brings up your ex, if you start sweating or you start feeling really anxious or you start feeling a pit in your stomach or you start getting tense somewhere, that's the actual trauma and the pain that's living in your body that's reacting. It's like actually reacting within your body. And it's a signal to say, this isn't hasn't been worked out yet. This is still living within you. And it causes tension in our body. So we actually have to work those things out just so that we are free from it, even physically. And even for me with that abusive relationship, I've come a long way, but there's still layers that sometimes I notice, oh, wow, there's a little too much anger here. And so I can dig a little bit deeper again. Um, healing is not linear. It is a journey. So, But the, the whole entire point is 
to take that, put a, a stake in the sand to say, okay, do I want to do this hard work now so that I don't have to spend so much time later cleaning out everything, you know, or do I just want to compartmentalize it? <laughs> because that seems easier in the moment. It is much harder and much, it co- it takes a lot more courage to do it now, but I, it's, I highly, highly recommend it. So some of the just practical ways to grieve is obviously to go through the five stages of grief, which if people don't know what those are, they are denial, bargaining, depression, anger, and eventually acceptance. So you're going to probably find yourself going through all five of those stages. And that's actually really, really helpful. They don't really go in a particular order, but you do want to hopefully end up at acceptance because that is, you know, the healthiest stage of grieving is like when you finally accepted it. But if one day you feel so angry, like, feel it, you know, allow yourself to feel the anger. Practically, sometimes I'll like literally punch a pillow because that will help get the anger out out of my body. We're talking about physically getting that out of your body. Sometimes screaming, obviously if I'm home alone, not like just out and about. I do look a little crazy, but um, trying to get that anger out of your body, it's totally fine. Oftentimes in grief, I'll find I'm really angry. And then the next day, I'm like really, really sad. And I'm like, why am I now in this stage of, that's a stage of depression or feeling depressed, right? And oftentimes that's totally normal. If one day you're really angry and then the next day you're really sad, you're working through the stages of grief. That is absolutely fine. But I would just highly recommend that everyone is aware of those five stages and is just moving through them. So if you find yourself camping out at one of those stages, unless it's acceptance for too long of a time, I would say that's an area, then you need to get, you need to go deeper into that. Like if you're sitting in anger for a month or a really, really long time, that's going to build some really unhealthy, angry roots of resentment within you. And you don't want those living within you. Trust me, you don't, because it's going to come out in negative ways. And again, we want to get those things out of us. So stay in it. There's health. There is healthy anger. You can be angry. You can, you can bargain with God, meaning like God will, what if it could have been this? Or what if it could have been this? Or, you know, God, what if I, what if I do this differently? Can you, can you let us, or can you heal him so we can be back together? Like bargaining with God's a big one. But if you need to go through those things, that's totally fine. Just make sure you're healthily moving through the five stages. So that's just like something I would initially recommend in the first step of processing a breakup to really say, I'm going to feel the pain to heal the pain. I'm going to really allow myself to go through the stages of grief healthily and keep accountable to people within my processing of that. I love that. And, you know, I'm so glad that you said that about feeling the pain to heal the pain. I heard someone give an example one time about like shoving down your wounds or your grief or your pain, like it's uh, a beach ball and into a pool. And so you know that if you have a beach ball and you shove it really far down into a pool, you can hold it under for a second, but the second you let go of it, it's going to pop back up to the surface. And Mm. the crazy thing is that the further down you push it, the higher it pops up. And that really is so true with the broken things in our hearts, like they will come back and they will negatively affect your future relationships. And like, so just an example is, um, I don't know if I've ever shared this on the podcast. Uh, Mm -hmm. It was a long time ago. And so it doesn't feel as tender as it would if it was obviously more recently, but I had my very first love, my very first, like very serious boyfriend. I found out like well into our relationship that he had cheated on me with my best friend, which just was terrible. Um, It was really, really terrible. And it took me a long time to get over that relationship, a long time to heal through it. But I'm so glad that I did exactly what you said. And like, and I didn't always do this. I had to like, I've had to clean out some closets, you know, all at once, but I'm glad that I healed that as I went along, because that's the kind of thing where when we don't take the time to work through it and like heal through it and deal with some of the trust issues that are of course going to come up after that, like then you bring those trust issues into your next relationship. And so if I hadn't healed that, I could be in a situation today where I'm looking at Carl and not trusting him when he's never done anything to lose my trust. It's just a lack of trust coming from my past that I have now brought into my marriage. And I think Mm -hmm. that like, this is why I, I mean, I love the work that you're doing and I love the work that we get to do together because when we take the time to heal from our junk today, just whatever junk we're carrying, heal from it today, that's one less thing that we get to have to bring with us into our future marriages. And what that looks like in marriage is like less arguments, less fights, less tension, less really painful seasons of growth. Like you're going to 
have, you know, you're going to argue and bite and have seasons of growth no matter what, but it's just like, you're just making your, your next season easier by going Mm. through the hard stuff in your current season. One thing I wanted to say about that, that I feel like this is kind of an unpopular opinion, or I don't know how many people I've really heard talk about this, but there were a couple breakups in my life that I a hundred percent went to counseling afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think yeah, we don't girl. hear enough people talk about that. You know, it's oh like, yes. oh my gosh, like you should be able to eat some ice cream and like watch some chick flicks and just feel better. But like no. when we're going through a breakup, some major things get broken in us. And mm. so, and also I think that they can bring some really broken things to the surface and that's the perfect time to deal with them. And so if anyone is sitting here going through a breakup and feeling like, I'm just not getting through this the way that I want to. It is not, it is a hundred percent a good idea to go to counseling for it because I definitely have. A hundred percent. I still go to my therapist and I'm in a decently healthy season. Um, but it is, it's so helpful. Like the therapist has helped having a therapist, counselor, whatever you want to have in your life that is going to help you go through those past layers and get into deeper healing. It's so helpful to have that guide. It's like a neutral person. There is nothing wrong with you if you want to do that. That it's actually really smart and really wise, in my opinion, because a lot of times what breakups do is it's not just about you and that person. It usually brings up things from your past, a lot of times having to do with childhood wounds and things that um, maybe that we just haven't sorted through all the way or that we didn't even know were really there. And it's a great opportunity to shine some light on those things and work through them. So it's usually, you know, this is not a popular opinion either, but it's usually not just about that breakup. It's usually about, okay, I have to actually heal some previous lies that I believed that already were existing within me because of the way my dad treated me as a child or because of the way like my family dynamic was or how I felt abandoned and left out in XYZ different situations. So as much as those things are hard to kind of reckon with, it's so helpful that this, that breakups like allow us to go through those things. Because just like you said, we want to get rid of like, we start relationships with like a backpack and, or sometimes people, you can either start them with like a little light backpack, or you can start them with like a really heavy backpack or all this luggage, right? Yes. And you're yes. like lugging it along with you. But I'd rather start with like the lightest little backpack that I possibly can and just fill it with good, healthy, amazing stuff versus like bringing all the weights of my past baggage in and being like, yeah, well, I'm going to mistrust. I'm not going to trust you at all because I've been cheated on so many times and you looking at that girl makes me really jealous. And instead of being that way, maybe I can just sort through why that's such a trigger and, and be able to more healthily show up in relationships, not assuming that of new people that I date. I love that. So I love the luggage example. And like, that's totally how I looked at it was just, I know that there are going to be things to go through in marriage. Like we are always, um, I had a mentor one time that said we're in the, uh, something like we're in the school of character building and we're never, ever going to graduate. Like it's just, that's life. You know, we're always healing from things. We're always growing. And that's a really good thing. But I just wanted, I made it my mission to go into marriage with as little baggage as possible. And I think that like you're going to have to go through it at some point. And I just, I was so glad to have gone through so many of the things I was carrying before Carl came along because it just makes marriage so much more fun. Like it's just, it's so much more how I hoped it would be because it's not full of, because we're not, we're not married under the weight of all of my insecurity and all of my past junk. And, and of course, like always things, you know, there's always things that come up, but insecurity is a big one. Like learning to really love myself, learning to be kind to myself, learning to accept myself. Like it, that put a big damper on all of my previous relationships. And I finally took the time to work through it. And so Carla and I don't have to have that weight on top of our marriage. And it just makes it so much more fun. Oh my gosh. And what you're saying is like, I have one of my closest best friends in an amazing, amazing marriage, but she didn't work through a lot of this stuff before her marriage. And they now have an amazing marriage, but let me be real. She had a really rough start in the first years of her marriage. And she has said to me recently, she's like, Kate, 
it is amazing that you are dealing with this stuff and going through it now because I wish that I had, I wish when I got married to my husband that I didn't bring all this and make him go through all of that with me because our honeymoon, the first few years was really, really, really tough. Now they're thriving, but like they had to go through some major counseling because she hadn't dealt with all those things previously. So take this as an opportunity of like, I'm not only helping myself, but I'm also investing in a healthier future marriage by doing this work and facing this breakup and, and facing all the stuff from my past today before, you know, this journey. And I know you say this too, Steph, is like not just looking for the one, but also becoming the one. And you don't really want to date someone who is bringing tons and tons of baggage probably, right? You're like, in your list, you're like, mm, that's kind of a red flag. So if you're going through this, if, if you have that expectation, you need to also do that for yourself then. Do the hard work right now. Take that radical ownership um, so that you can be an amazing one for someone else as well. <laughs> I, love, I love that. I love that. Hey friends, I wanted to take a quick pause from my conversation with Kate to thank our sponsor for this week. This sponsor is new to our Girls' Night community and it is a company I am so excited about. Our sponsor for today's episode is FabFitFun. Now, for those of you who aren't already familiar, FabFitFun is a seasonal subscription box filled to the brim with full-size beauty, fitness, fashion, and lifestyle products. And they send them right to your door. They just released their fall 2019 FabFitFun box and I just got mine in the mail. I was in the middle of a meeting when it arrived on my doorstep and it took all of my self-control not to sneak out of the meeting so that I could rip it open right then and there. When I finally did get to open it, it felt like Christmas morning. It's full of so many fun products, some I'd heard of and some that were new to me, but they all felt like such a treat. Here are just a few of the things that were in the box. So they sent me the cutest gourmet cheese board, a travel yoga mat, a gorgeous ceramic salt and pepper mill, an aromatherapy roller ball, a combination face cleanser, scrub and mask. And seriously, that's just the beginning. And I have to say, these are not mini products. They are all full size. I can't believe that all the stuff they sent me even fit into the box. One of my favorite products that they sent me is the cheese board. You guys know that I'm not a great cook, but I can put together a killer cheese board and I cannot wait to use this next time we have friends over for dinner. It's beautiful. The thing I love most about FabFitFun is that the products they choose are so well curated. It sort of feels like getting a gift in the mail from my cool older sisters who are like, Steph, you may not have heard of this product before, but trust me, you are going to love it. And those cool older sisters are always right. The FabFitFun box costs $49.99, but the products in it always add up to a value of more than $200. It's such a great deal. You're spending $49.99, but you're getting more than $200 worth of stuff. I don't even know how they pull that off. But I do know that because it's such a great deal, the boxes do sell out quickly. So make sure to sign up for yours today. I'm such a fan of FabFitFun, and of course, I love them even more because they have a discount code just for our Girls' Night listeners. To get $10 off your first box, just head to FabFitFun.com and enter promo code GIRLSNIGHT at checkout. I want to say that one more time just to make sure you don't miss it. To get $10 off your first box, go to FabFitFun.com and enter promo code GIRLSNIGHT at checkout. FabFitFun, thank you so much for sponsoring our Girls' Night. We love having you. Okay. Now, without any further ado, let's jump back into my conversation with Kate. The other thing that I love about this is I think more and more, the more friends I see get married, the more women I talk to that are getting married, um, the more married couples I talk to, the more I'm understanding just how important the decision is of who we decide to marry. That is more than healing marriages, like once you're already married, deciding, like making a good decision up front changes everything. Um, and I think a lot of times when we are in the process of choosing who we marry, if we're not in a good spot when we're making that choice, a lot of really tough things can happen. You know, we've all been in places where we're feeling insecure or not good enough. And so we attach our lives to, you know, we start dating people who make us feel a little bit better, but really it's not a good fit that we don't want to decide. We don't want to get married under those circumstances. We want to get married under the circumstances, under the circumstances of being in our, like just surrounded by really good people, healthy, loving ourselves, feeling loved by God. Like those are the circumstances um, in which we want to make a choice. It's kind of like going into the grocery store hungry. Um, I've yeah. talked about this before, but when you, when you go into the grocery store hungry, you come out with like Twinkies and Twinkies yeah. are going to like rot your teeth and your insides and also 
be in you forever because they like don't break down or something. I don't know. They're really creepy. Um, So you're going to come out with something that's not nourishing to you and it's not actually the best choice for you. Whereas if you go into the grocery store full of good, nutritious things, then you come out of the store with good, nutritious things. And so I just, more than ever these days, I'm so passionate about that, about just having us all be as equipped as possible to make a really good decision about who we marry because all of life and all of marriage is so much easier and better when that decision is made under really like wise, good circumstances. Does that make sense? It totally makes sense. Actually, what you're saying is what, what, you know, and a big reality for me is that I had mentioned being in an abusive relationship and some kind of toxic relationships in the past. Now that I've done this work, I'm not going to lie and say that I have never been in a toxic relationship since then, because I actually have been, I've actually dated guys that ended up not being the greatest. However, I've been able to spot it and see it so much more clearly and so much more early and like recognize those signs because I've done this work. So just in your food analogy, I was just thinking about it. If you start like eating healthy and doing healthy things for your body, nourishing your body the way it should be nourished, it's like um, one day when you have your cheat day or you start eating bad, you feel it so much more. You feel it instantly. You can taste it. It's like, I taste the grease. I taste this. The next day you feel disgusting, right? When you're eating all that junk, you don't really feel that way because it just is like, you're like numb to it. So when you're choosing and drinking out of the healthy waters and you're healing yourself, right? You can much more easily and much more quickly notice when something is negative, when something doesn't feel right. And that is where it's really comes down to wiser and better discernment because you're walking in a path that's way more whole and way more from a place of strength and love and, and just without insecurities. And so you can notice when somebody is maybe not exactly who you think they are, or you could see those red flags and you're not willing to, to go for them anymore because you're like, oh, I've tasted that before. It may feel good in that moment, but I know what the outcome is now. And now you have the strength to see that. So, but again, if you don't do this work to realize what are my tendencies, what are my triggers? Why did I fall into that relationship? Why did I stay in that so long, especially if it was unhealthy? Then you won't be able to recognize, you know, another wolf in sheep's clothing or whoever it might be when they come back around and you're going to get, you're going to get fooled again. So this season is so important so that you don't have to go through yet another incredibly devastating heartbreak because Steph, we were even talking about this before, but I have even in this past year been heartbroken and it sucks. I still hate heartbreak, right? But now I can heal way more quickly. Now I can see those signs way more quickly. And I'm like, I'm not mad at myself for dating those guys at all, but I'm so happy that God ended them that quickly. Um, I no longer have to drag it out for six months, a year or more than a year because God's given me the tools to help me both heal and get out of those things as quickly as possible if they're, if it's not healthy. I love that. I love that example so much. That just like clicks with me like crazy. Um, And I think that, you know, one thing I really want to point out here is that I think sometimes when we've gone through something, especially like a totally toxic relationship, we think that success looks like never getting in one again. Like I should have, one, we're mad at ourselves because it's like, how did I not know better? Or how did I not see this? And I think that that's something I felt a lot in relationships. Like how did I not see ahead of time how this was going to end up. But the thing I, I don't know, I'm glad that you mentioned a, a sheep in wolf's clothing because sometimes like we just, we have no way of knowing more than we know. It's, yeah. You have to get to know someone for a little bit sometimes before you really know what their character is like, or before you really know what the relationship's going to be like. It's, I think that I just know that I put so much pressure on myself to to know how a relationship was going to end before it started. Mm. And you just don't know that. You don't know that a person isn't the person you want to be with until you like get to know them a little bit. And so I, I love that you said that. And and I think that that's what growth looks like is being able to recognize when something isn't what you are looking for and being able to see it and having the strength to actually end it so much sooner um, instead of settling really for less than you deserve. are going to change. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Talk to us about, you know, you actually, we were talking about this right after, or right before we started recording, but you've been praying a really specific prayer about breakups. And as you've been walking into different relationships, and I feel like that fits perfectly with what we're talking about here. 
Yeah, girl. So this is probably the hardest thing to pray. Well, first, just before I even say that, I do want to say another element to this is just bringing your close people in. I always recommend your board of advisors, which I call as like your top six to eight people. And they're the people that know you ins and outs, and there may be different stages of life even. Um, and they're the people that will call you out. But you need to bring those people in too, because no matter how much healing you do, you have blind spots. So you need to go through the process of figuring out what happened in this last breakup, healing from it, then figuring out what happened. And where you can notice where you maybe had some blind spots need to take ownership of, and then share those with your close people. So you can say like, so they can say, Hey, um, Kate, I see that you're falling into this again. You know, for me, a blind spot is I have fallen deep into infatuation before. And so for me, I'm a romantic at heart. And sometimes I get really into the idea of what this could be and picturing my life with somebody. And I love being romance. And if the person is great with their romantic words, I'm sometimes my heart flutters so much that I'm like, Oh, well, that's okay. If they, if I see this, small little red flag, right? I will start overlooking it because of how great I think it could be. And so sometimes my friends are like, whoa, 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 Kate, he's saying good things, but let's see through time. You usually fall for these things. I'm not saying he's not legit, but we need to see what happens through time. You need to be aware that this is your tendency. And like, this is still conversations my friends have with me now because that's my number one tendency in relationships is to say, this is so amazing. He's saying all the right things. He looks on paper like exactly what I want. But it's like, I will tell you what, when in doing that and keeping accountable to these people, helping them see my blind spots, which means it sucks a little bit, right? Because you want those people to be like, oh my gosh, biggest cheerleader ever for you. But- that's not fully realistic. You want people that are actually going to say, I'm excited for you and let's be careful and let's continue to watch this. So I've kind of had a release and and because a lot of times when we know that person isn't going to be full in support, we won't tell those people. We'll just tell the people who are going to be like our number one cheerleaders because then we can continue believing what we want to believe. But I'm like, no, you got to tell your board, those people who know your blind spots and know where you've fallen short in the past, and we'll keep you accountable to that. Well, they're going to say, I'm excited, but I also want to be cautious. And we got to balance those two things. Um, but this is also on top of doing that, the number one prayer that I've been praying in every new potential relationship, which is really flipping hard to do. But I always say, I'm like, God, this seems so amazing. God, thank you for the experience of this dating, of dating this person. But God, I, I want to ask you that if this is not the right thing, would you close the door as quickly as possible? Even if it hurts me and even if it catches me off guard, God, would you just shut the door? Would you reveal the red flags really, really quickly to me? And this will be after like the guy does something amazing. And I'm not praying that as a fatalistic prayer. I want to be realistic. And I want to ask God, like, I, you know, pray to God, like, please reveal this to me. Even if it hurts God, I want to see it. And so I prayed this prayer a few times, even in the last year, and been really excited about potential things that God has very quickly shifted on a dime. And it's been very jarring. I'm like, whoa, 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 wait a second. But I'm also like, well, this is ironic. I prayed for this. You know, I asked for this. I prayed for this. And actually it's a blessing, even though it's jarring, even though I thought it was going to be something different. I see that God is protecting me. And I'm like, God is answering my prayer because God loves me so much that he doesn't want me to be stuck in a situation where I am, you know, being abused or manipulated again for a long period of time and get so confused. So God's like, no, no, no. You've been there, done that. Now I'm going to show you and close the door. And now my strength is to say, okay, I see those signs very clearly. I move on. I'm not going to try to make that work. I'm not going to try to change that person. Whereas before, via codependency, via fear of abandonment, I would go back and I'd be like, they'd apologize and be like, okay, yeah, maybe we can make it work. No, that person needs to change with or without you in the picture. It's a really hard reality a lot of people need to hear. Um, A lot of times if it's really deep things that are coming up, that person just needs to step out of the relationship and heal those things on them themselves without the promise of being with you again. Um, and that, and if they do come back around and they've healed without the promise of you being there, then you can be way more certain that it actually is potentially a good healing process that they healed for the right reasons and not for the wrong reasons. So that is the prayer, I guess my long-winded way of saying that's the prayer I pray now, God, take this away. If it's not of you close the door really quickly, reveal those red flags as soon as possible. And man, it's hard, but it's so, so good. I love that. I love that. You know, something I've been thinking about as we've been talking is that 
you know, we, we've talked about the fact that breakups aren't just about you and the other person, but that it brings up so much within us. And I know that's something that happened for me was that I just was really hard on myself in, in the wake of a breakup. Um, I was really mad at myself for like any, and I mean, this is, this is one of my tendencies, something that I've really been working on, but if, if something goes wrong in a relationship, I am, I believe that I'm a hundred percent to blame. Um, mm. and I'm instantly going back. Even if something isn't wrong in a relationship, I have this tendency to go back through our last several conversations and what did I say and how did I break this? Um, and so that was something that it's something I'm, I've worked through a lot, um, and then still working on in some ways, but, that's something I really struggled with in relationships at, during breakups is I would go back through and like just totally beat myself up for all the things that I perceived that I did wrong. Um, it just took such a toll on my identity. And so how do we, do you have any strategies for, for making that, for not going down that road? Yes, absolutely. Um, so I want to just say there's, I think, three biggest coping myths that we think that we need that really are not helpful for us at all. Um, and I talk about this when I do my heartbreak program, but here just quickly to break them down, the three things you did talk about, one of them, a really big one. So uh, one of them is... Um, focusing on what ifs. So what ifs is something is something that we get stuck in. Like what if this was different? God, what if I said this? What if this happened a little bit differently? Um, and we go through all these scenarios in our mind, but what focusing on the what ifs do, does in actuality is it usually just increases self-blame. It usually inflates resentment either for ourselves and or for the other person. A lot of times we also can start living in black and white thinking, which is white thinking is all the good, all the good, all the good that ne that person never did anything wrong. And the black thinking is fatalistic thinking. It's like, oh my gosh, everything is terrible. They're all bad. The whole relationship was bad or I was all bad. And that's actually a really unhealthy place to be in black or white thinking. And going through the what ifs usually makes us sit in one of those camps. It's also a really unhealthy way to remain attached to that person going through the what ifs. So that's one thing that we think we have to go through everything, but we don't. Um, another unhealthy coping myth is needing to know the why it happened. The thing about this, and I, I've got caught in this one a lot before, but God doesn't tell us he's going to give us all the reasons for why. And the reason being is because it's actually out of love. Many reasons we don't know the why, especially after the breakup happens, is because we're not ready to handle the real answer as to why, okay? Um, and that's because we're in an emotionally vulnerable state. So if we truly trust that God is a good God, that he has a good plan for us, and that... Um, and we and he, we believe that he's going to do what he says he's going to do, then we have to believe in that moment that he's protecting us out of love and we don't have to know all of the answers to why. Because going in that rabbit hole of why will just make you stuck. It will make you go in a downward spiral and I've done it far too much. So instead, uh, we need to focus on, instead of why, we focus on what to do to move forward. So that's something really, really important. So focus on what things, what can you do to move forward? What did I learn? What unrealistic expectations did I have? What is a positive change I can make about my attitude towards relationships, my attitude towards myself? What is God asking me to do today? What does God want me to do in this season to draw closer to him? Or what is he potentially doing with my life that might be exciting? So instead of asking why questions, we start asking what questions. The last coping myth that I think we really fall into is needing to have closure, specifically mm. closure from that person. And I, again, I think that this is a myth because I don't think we need closure from that person. I think the only closure we're really going to get is closure from God. Needing closure makes us, it oftentimes will turn into us just needing to stay in contact with the person because I'm like, well, I just need to send this text. I need to get this answer from them. I need to have this conversation with them. Once I hear those words or once I understand this, I will feel better. And Beth Moore talks about this years ago in a book of hers, but actually in, in needing that closure, we're like kind of eating from the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. When God's like, in the Garden of Eden, he's like, don't eat from that tree. You're not ready for this information. You don't need that. You can trust me. And Eve does it anyway, right? She gets tempted and excited about it. 
But then it's too much for her to handle. And then she goes into a shame downward spiral, right? That's what happens in the Garden of Eden. And then they're like, both of them, Adam and Eve, are terrified and they're naked and they're ashamed. So what happens often when we're like, oh, but tell me this thing, you know, someone's like, oh, maybe I shouldn't tell you that. And you're like, no, 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 just tell me. I can handle it. It's fine. It usually doesn't help us. Like most of the time when the person actually tells us something that we probably can't handle, most of the time it actually doesn't help us at all. Ultimately, talking to that person get having that last conversation, it's not going to bring you the closure you're looking for. Trust me. It's a temptation. It's an excuse many times to just um, remain in attachment to that person. And a lot of times it's also a reason you're really just, if you break it down further, you really just want that person to change their mind. A lot of the times that's what a closure is a cover for. You're like, but maybe I can have this conversation and then maybe they'll change their mind. Mm -mm, Girl, you have to be strong and solid. Keep your strength, your power, your dignity, and self-love. Those important, important ingredients, you need to have those and keep those and trust that God will continue to move you. Now, in terms of actually practically outside those three coping myths, other than grieving, like we said, I would just say something really important I will recommend for everyone is study Dr. Caroline Leaf's Detoxing the Mind. I talk about this in the program I do, but really, really helpful is really being aware of our thoughts and when these thoughts of why or what if, or I need closure, I want to talk to them. When those start things start coming into your mind, we have the opportunity to transform our thoughts. Thank God that God created the brain, our brains the way he did because they're neuroplastic. And neuroplasticity shows that we actually have the ability to rewire our thoughts. Our thoughts are not needed. They don't need to be stagnant. We can actually change those pathways. Um, But this is through consistently thinking new ways. It takes minimum of 21 days to create a new long-term memory and a minimum of 63 days to create um, a brand new habit. So these are consistently things you have to do every single day. So very, very, very basic. If I was to break it down, identify one of the things you're holding on to. Maybe it's a lie about yourself, or maybe it's something that you're in denial about. Start going through the process of where is that coming from and, and digging under the surface, getting curious with yourself. Then I want you to replace it with the truth. What is the actual truth about that thing? So maybe the lie is, I'm not good enough for that person. Then you want to replace it with the truth if actually I am good enough because God calls me this and God has revealed to me that he sees me in this way. If you don't know how God sees you, start praying into that. This is a beautiful opportunity to ask God these questions and really get closer to him about who you are, what your identity is with him. Um, And then you start practicing these things every day, right? So this is a daily practice of now you're starting to speak this truth of yourself, which means you have to self-regulate. You have to self-regulate both your internal dialogue and your external dialogue. So what is going on in your mind? If you're constantly through situations telling yourself, I'm not good enough. Well, that's that same lie popping up again, girl. And you have the power to say, oh, that lie is there. I can either let it be there and choose to cling on to it, or I can start speaking this truth of what I feel like God is calling me actually. Um, And same when you speak it out. So that's internally, but also externally. Don't speak poorly about yourself. Like don't speak poorly about who you were in that relationship or blame yourself even when you're talking about it to other people. So we need to start really practicing the self-awareness. And that is how we are going to get on this journey of truly transforming our mind. I love and biblically how it's like, you know, you can be renewed by the transformation of your mind. I love that. But we can't just say it. We have to practically know how to do it and take the steps to doing it. And it's hard to do, but it's it's possible. It's absolutely possible to get out of those toxic thought patterns and be free of the way that you're thinking right now. I know it because I've done it and I was stuck in a lot of toxic thought patterns. And now those thoughts may come up and I'm like, oh, I see you little bad thought again, but those roots are weak. Those roots have been weakened and they're not really there anymore. So I can easily pluck them away by doing that hard work of really making that ugly root die and creating a brand new root and a new neural pathway in your brain. It's a little sciencey there, but um, this is how our brain works and God created it that way. It's really beautiful. <laughs> Kate, I love that. And I love how practical that is. That's something we actually, for the women who have taken my course, Love Your Single Life. And Kate, you have us actually also. I compl- <laughs> Yes, I forgot about that. Um, but we talk about that in, in one of the modules, just starting to be, the, the mental picture I've always gotten, I've, there's two that I just love. One is being a bouncer at the door of your mind. And as thoughts come in, like checking their ID and seeing if they match up with what God says. And I think it's uh, 2 Corinthians 
5.10 or 10.5, I always get it mixed up, but it talks about capturing our thoughts and making them obedient to Christ. And that's what I picture is like a bouncer standing there checking to see, does this match up with who God says you are? And if not, you need to get out of here. And the other one is I picture just like a giant butterfly net. And actually, I feel like some of the girls listening will totally get this. Kate, I know you're going to get this. But do you remember um, in Lizzie McGuire? Remember the show Lizzie McGuire? Um, and you know her like little cartoon. It's like every once in a while she'll like pop up and run around. But I picture like my own little Lizzie McGuire cartoon with a giant butterfly net just catch like catching thoughts yes. and examining them and seeing if they match up with who God says I am. But that was just a huge, huge journey that transformed the way that I see myself, the way that I interact with the world, the way that I interact within relationships. I mean, that's a lot of the identity work that I did in the season before I met Carl that has totally changed the way that I'm able to love him and also receive love from him. And I just, I'm so glad that you brought that up. Um, So so one of the things, you know, that I found to be so hard, and I want to make sure to ask about this because this was really my stickiest spot Mm -hmm. um, in breakups. And you, you kind of touched on it, but when we're going through a breakup, a lot of times we don't want to be going through a breakup. We, it's so hard to move forward from a relationship because we don't want to move forward. Mm -hmm. And I found myself stuck in that really for years at a time when I was dating. Um, I don't want this relationship to be over. And so I don't want to get over it. I don't want to let it go. How do we let go? And how do we stop hoping that they're going to change their minds, like you said, so that we can actually be free to enter a new relationship. Mm. Well, the, I mean, the first thing I would say, girl, is, I, I mean, I get it. I have been here and I've like, especially with the relationship I talked about with you I, last time I was on the podcast, the guy I thought I was going to marry, it was like really hard to think about wanting him to change his mind. And I will tell you, honestly, I don't think I shared this last time, but you know, in that process, and we might talk about breakup boundaries, I had to cut off com- communication because that was what was really helpful for me. But after about a month, month and a half, I was like, I can talk to him again. It's going to be fine. I'm doing great. Well, that started some dialogue because of course I didn't hate him. That relationship wasn't toxic. And I actually thought he's a really amazing, lovely person. Um, and so we started, you know, talking as friends again. And what was really fascinating is, you know, he did open up saying that he missed me. And I was like, I started flooding with all these thoughts of maybe he's going to change his mind. This is so exciting. Oh my gosh. And I finally asked him like, okay, well, like, do you like, is this never going to be a thing again? Like, can't, why can't it be like over some time? Like what, you know, and I basically brought it up and I think it was when he finally realized, oh, I'm sharing too much. This is, I should have had better boundaries here. Um, and he said these words to me that were really hard for me to hear. Um, but I needed to hear them. And I know he didn't mean this in a malicious way, but he said, Kate, you deserve to be someone's first choice. And I was like, oh, shoot. (laughs) Like, oh my gosh. And I know he didn't mean it in a mean way, but the reality was as wonderful as a person as he was, he, he wasn't choosing me and I wasn't his first choice. And that doesn't mean that there's something wrong with me per se. And I think that that's where we have to, again, separate the why, why, why is that there is something that at that moment I couldn't really understand for why we were not supposed to be together. So even if that relationship was good, even if you pictured your life with that person, girl, you do not want to be with somebody who doesn't want to be with you. And that's the reality of like kind of something I've had to come to terms with. Like you want a man whose heart is ignited to pursue you that sees the bad in you and the good in you and all the weird, messy and wonderful and all the stuff. And it's like, I still choose that person. You want a guy who walks into a room with the, with all these Victoria's Secret models and it doesn't matter. He sees you and he's like, that girl doesn't even phase him. You know, I believe that God's heart, God will ignite that on the heart of a man and your heart to pursue one another in that way. So I think the biggest thing is in our minds asking, do we want to be with someone who we have to perform for? Do we want to be with someone who we have to convince to be with us? At the end of the day, the answer is going to be no, because if you convince someone to be with you, you'll never be fully satisfied. You'll always be questioning, well, do they actually really want to be with me? Um, so that will not be, that's not secure for your heart. That's not safe for your heart. So ultimately with that guy, I had to release it and say, you know what? The reason why I have to move forward is because he doesn't choose me. 
And I may not know all the reasons for why, but I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust that God's going to reveal that to me over time. I'm going to trust, I'm going to say, you know what, here are the qualities I liked from that relationship. Here are the qualities maybe that weren't so great. And let me start praying, envisioning what my future relationship could be, taking all of that into account. And I'll tell you stuff by focusing on those things and without downward spiraling into the why and all of that stuff. About six months later, I saw him in person. It was really hard for me. I thought I was fully moved on, but it was still tough. I still had to grieve after I saw him because I felt a connection with him. But it was in that moment, I remember so clearly that God gave me this amazing, amazing picture that I'm just going to quickly share. And he showed me this picture of me kind of coming through all these different lands. I had gone through a land of fire and a land of wilderness. And I I had like kind of journeyed and battled my way through these different lands. And finally, I had arrived to a land that was beautiful and lush and had mountains and just beautiful greenery. And it was amazing. And at the beginning of this new land, there was a castle. And I was like, this is a beautiful castle, right? So I go into it. And inside the castle was that guy, was that guy that I had dated. And it was wonderful. And it was everything I had wanted. And it was like amazing. But what God showed me was like, that's amazing and that's wonderful, Kate. But if you, but actually, I'm not calling you to the castle. You just got to this brand new land in your life. And beyond that castle in this land, there's a whole city. And on the other side of that city that I want you to journey through, there's a beautiful, amazing palace. And that's what I want you to get to. The castle is okay, but it's not enough for you. And the thing is that this guy is okay with just that. He's okay living there. He's okay never going beyond that castle. But I have called you above and beyond that. And I have and you would get bored. You would get so bored. This castle seems great and amazing and nice right now, but over time, you're going to get bored staying there. You're going to feel like Rapunzel stuck in like a tower, right? And once God showed me this and then revealed to me what existed beyond that castle, I was so excited. I remember my eyes with tears, like glistening, just like seeing this vision God put in my heart and in my mind. And I was like so excited. And I realized, wow, God, he was an amazing man. And not every person that we break up with or that breaks up with us has to be a bad person. He is an amazing man. But God didn't call us on mission together specifically. And my mission was going above and beyond in a different direction that he just wouldn't be equipped and best for me to carry out that mission that I knew God was calling me to. So I guess that is like my long form answer of saying, you know, we don't have to know all the answers to why God will reveal it to you. Just like he revealed through time, this beautiful new vision for me. Um, you want to be with someone who's ultimately going to choose you. And if they're, and if you're not their first choice, doesn't mean there's that there's anything wrong with you. God is protecting you. Take those good things from that past relationship and use it to vision and get excited about what God has for in store for you for the future. Oh, yes. And amen to all of that. Kate, I feel like you've been reading my journal and like that is so much of what God has done in my life. And so I'm so glad you said that. Um, I, I, I'm a hundred percent in agreement with you. Yes. To all of that. Mm. Um, so we're, we only have a minute left. And so I, I, seriously want to talk about this forever. But um, one thing I wanted to ask you before we finish is just, how do you know when you're ready for mm. for the next relationship? Like, yeah. what are we looking for as signs that it's, that we're, that we're ready to put ourselves out there again? So there's a few questions. I would recommend three questions to ask yourself. The first question to know if you're ready is when your ex's name comes up, do you say, how do you react? Do you react significantly? Notice how your body feels when someone starts bringing it up or when you start thinking, do you start sweating? Do you get angry? Do you start getting overwhelmed with emotion? If the answer is no, then you could be in a very good place. But be very real with yourself. How does your body react? Um, and how do you react when that person's name comes up, right? The second question I'd ask yourself, do you like yourself and your life just as it is right now? If the answer is yes, if you are so satisfied with who you are right now, with what you're li- what you're doing in your life and what God has called you in your life right now, then I would say you're in a really healthy place to date because you don't want to go into dating again with any area of lack. You really want to be filled. And so while heartbreak happens, I'm like, yes, I want you to get back out on a first date, but make sure you're not doing it out of place of lack. I always say this quote this is something I say all the time. There's a difference between desperately searching and contently being open to meeting someone you are not getting back out there desperately searching for someone. Um, the third question to ask yourself is, if rejection hits again, do you believe that you are strong enough to withstand it? We got to ask ourselves that question because 
rejection, again, there isn't a magic pill we can take to make it disappear for the rest of our lives. So it might happen again and that's okay. But if you feel like you're honestly ready to go through rejection again, maybe it won't be quite as bad as before, but if you're ready to handle that again and you're like, yep, I could do that, then you're in a good place. So those are three main questions I would say um, to ask yourself and be really real with. Um, When I do walk women through this program, I have like a quiz that I make them answer questions and like put their answers because, and then tally them up. And I'm like, here's the reality. You don't want to force this. A lot of people want to force the healing and make it happen immediately. Um, but it doesn't always happen immediately and it takes different amount of time for different amount of people. So have grace with yourself. Yes. I want you to get back out there, but just make sure you're not doing it too soon. You know, uh, make sure you're really satisfied in your heart with who you are. Make sure you've processed a lot of what's happened and make sure you're prepared to deal with potential rejection if it happens again. So that's where I would say some just practical questions to ask yourself to know if you're ready to like date and go back out there again. Kate, I love that. Um, Mm -hmm. If there are women, I know there are, who are sitting here feeling like who are just in the midst of this, who are in the midst of heartbreak, who have just been rejected, who have feelings for someone who isn't pursuing them and they're trying to let go and it's just really hard and they're having such a hard time with it. Can you just give like one last, actually, I want to do this differently. Instead of one last piece of encouragement, will you pray for them? Mm. I would love to. Oh, yes, girl. Let's do it. Okay. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for creating this sweet woman, your sweet daughter, God, that you just love and you see so wonderfully and so beautifully, God. I just ask that for this woman, wherever she is right now, God, would you just touch her with your immense love, God? Would you just make her feel so hugged and embraced by you, God? Would you just make her feel seen? Would you make her feel known? Would you make her feel just that you love her so much? God, I just pray that if she is in a place where she just feels so distraught and destroyed and confused and broken down, could I just pray that your love would encapsulate her and remind her about the truths of who she is, that you've created her, that you have gone before her, that you have designed her steps from above and that you hem her in from behind and before, just like you say in Psalm 139, God, that you have made her fearfully and wonderfully, God, that you have incredible plans in store for her, that she does not have to worry, God. I just pray that she does not feel anxiety about the next steps that are ahead of her, God, because you are the great shepherd that will guide her every move. God, I just pray right now for her to feel comforted. God, will you just shower her with so much love? Would you allow her to just let go of that backpack she's gripping onto so hard? God, would you just say it's okay to let it go? It's okay to lay it down. It's okay to lay down and cry right now if she needs to, God. Just be with her, comfort her, love her. And then God, would you just remind her of the hope, the hope that awaits for her, the hope that you have in store for her, that you are creating something new before her, that you are sprouting up something beautiful that she could barely even conceive if she wanted to in her brain. God, just get her so excited about what that's going to look like. And God, just help her to not worry about the path to get there because you are going to guide every step of the way. God, I just pray that she just feels loved, that she feels seen, and that you would also give her a community of amazing women beside of her walking along in this journey. God, above all, God, just make her know that she is not alone. She has nothing to be ashamed about. She does not need to hide this. It's okay to not be okay. And God, just bring her amazing women alongside of her to walk along this with her. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hmm. Kate, thank you so much for being here, friend. Love you so much, girl. Thanks for having me as an honor. (laughs) Guys, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I cannot tell you how much it means to me to have you here at Girls' Night. Before you go, I would love it if you would do two quick things. The first is to subscribe. Subscribing to the podcast is the very best way to make sure you never miss an episode. It's also a way easier way to listen because it's a way of bookmarking the podcast. You never have to go looking for it again. Your app will just automatically download the next episode when a new one's released. The other thing is that it would mean so much to me if you would take a quick second to leave us a rating and a review for the podcast. The way that iTunes knows to suggest the show to new people is by the ratings and the reviews. That's how we invite new friends to our girls' night. So would you do me a huge favor and take just one quick second to leave a rating and a quick comment about how you like the podcast so far? It would help me out so much. And... 
I have to say the biggest thank you to all of you who've already left those beautiful five-star reviews. They mean the world to me. All right, friends, that's all we have for today, but we'll be back next week with another episode of Girls' Night, and it is such a good one. See you then.